Well, good morning, Movement Church. Come on, let's try that again. Good morning, Movement Church. Man, you picked the right Sunday to be here. It, we're literally kicking off a brand new series today. And I actually believe it, it, the timing is perfect. I believe that the timing is perfect for you and for me, but just for what our world is walking through right now. Like Megan, my beautiful wife, said a moment ago, uh, today we were talking about just praying for, we have some great friends who literally have lost everything uh, in Sonoma County and Napa County. I believe that's the actual counties and literally just everything had to evacuate and their, their home is in one of the field of just devastation and and, you know, their hopes are amazing. They just say, you know what, it, it was a home, and, and it doesn't represent, it was a house, it doesn't represent our home. And it was just so interesting to hear them talk, and, and I said, man, every week, for the last five or six weeks, we've had to get up and just talk about devastation and tragedy. And you know what, we live in a crazy world, but our hope is not in the world that we live in. Our hope is found in Jesus. And we're starting a series called The Monster inside me where I believe God wants to take us on a journey over the next few weeks to kind of unlock some potential, some godly potential that I, I fear may rest dormant in so many of us. But before I, I dive into this series, I want to tell you about a couple of things that I'm pretty excited about. Number one, yesterday we had a whole crew of people show up in Laguna Beach and join hundreds all around the nation and the world for a walk for freedom. And they just kind of marched the streets of Laguna Beach. I think we have a picture of some of the team that was there. Literally, they were in Laguna Beach. There were people in Los Angeles, New York, Amsterdam, Paris, London, and thousands upon thousands of people gathered to march and just say, hey, we're going to put an end to human sex tra slavery and uh, sex trafficking that's happening all over the world. And I want to say I'm proud to say I'm proud of you as a church that we're going to be a part of eradicating this. And I'm grateful for those of you who showed up yesterday. Would you guys give them a big hand today for making a difference on a Saturday? Listen, we're called to be a light in darkness and to be the hope and solution for the dark world that we live in. But I also want to tell you one of the things I'm, I'm more excited about than almost anything that I get to do, and that is the celebration of life change. At the Movement Church, we exist for one reason. We, that's really the, we, we only exist for one reason and one reason alone, and that is to help people who are far from God find life in Christ and life in the church. And one of the ways that we celebrate this is through baptism. It's one of our favorite services we do pretty consistently here at the Movement Church. And what this is, is, a, is an outward expression of an inward change. And some of you in this room today may have prayed a prayer or made a decision maybe weeks ago or months ago. Maybe it's even been years to follow Jesus, but you've never made that public declaration of your faith to say, man, I'm going public with my faith. I'm going to let the world know that I'm letting God make a change on the inside. And if you're here and you've never done that, I want to challenge you. Why don't you be a part of our baptism service on October 29th? And you can text the word baptism to the number that's on the screen right now. And we do it right here in the middle of our worship journey. It's a lot of fun. It's the, probably one of the most fun services that we have as we celebrate life change that's taking place. So if that's you, text the word baptism. We'll give you all the information you need so you can be in this journey with us. Does that sound good? Well, let's dive into this series. I, I want to try to wrap this up in 30 minutes, and it's a lot of content, so I need y'all to listen fast. And I'll tell you what right now, if you amen me loud, I preach better. If you laugh, even if my jokes are bad, I preach better. So help me out today. I, I need some help, and let me tell you why. Because under the surface 
of every human, a monster is lurking. And I know some of you are thinking, man, so you have met my kids. I'm not talking about your children. I'm talking about all of us as humans. Underneath the surface, a monster is lurking. And that monster takes various shapes and sizes. And it rears its ugly head at the most unsuspecting times. And the tragedy or the scary part is that it has this power to incapacitate us. Kind of to render us powerless, if you will. The monster in your life, it might be the monster of fear. For others, it could be the monster of regret. Or the monster of loss. Perhaps for some of us, it's the monster of identity or hopelessness. And let me tell you what's terrifying is not the existence of these monsters that lurk under the surface. But what's terrifying is that their existence is dependent upon what I feed it. I have a profound impact to unleash that monster on the inside. And I don't think any of us want to be that way. We don't want to live that way, but we can identify with the fact that there can be at times things that incapacitate me to life. And we read in Romans, the writer talks about a struggle and a battle that so many of us face. He says this in Romans chapter 7 in the message paraphrase. He said, what I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. And I think we can identify with this. We would look at life and say, there's some things that I want so desperately, but my actions at times don't reflect that. The writer goes on and he says, so if I can't be trusted, if I can't be trusted to figure out what's best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious, look at this, that God's command is necessary. In other words, the writer's identifying, man, this is a battle on the inside. And I'm not necessarily strong enough at times to fight this battle. I need God at work in me. And I want to tell you that's the good news. The good news is that we don't have to be scared of the monster that lurks underneath, that there is hope. In fact, God has created a better plan for us. The writer goes on and he says this. The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions. I like how the writer write, phrases it another way in the book of Philippians. He says this, this is great, God will continually revitalize you. Some of you need that this morning. Not a church, not a building. I mean, thank God that the church is not bound to a structure. The church is people and it's what God's doing through his people. And it says, I will continually revitalize you, implanting within you the passion some of us have lost a passion because that monster, it runs rampant in our life. And it feels more overwhelming than filled with hope. And God is saying to you and to me this morning, I will revitalize you, implanting you within you the passion to accomplish the good things you desire to do. In this series, we're going to look through the lens of some fictional monsters. And we'll identify the symptoms, or rather how we cope with the monsters that are lurking under the surface. And how we cope is evidence of the fruit of these monsters at work in our life. And I think here's another scary truth, is that some of us don't realize that these monsters are at work in our lives. 
Now, if we ask those closest to you, they may be able to identify, but sometimes we're oblivious to, or we walk in self-denial and we can't see it. But the good news is, I believe through the journey of this series, we'll discover that God has hope for our lives. Destroying the monster's power inside and unleashing our greatest potential. Say greatest potential. Let's try it again like you're awake. Say greatest potential. Let's pray and we'll dive in. God, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. We thank you that your plan and your purpose is for us. And I just pray now, God, that you'll speak to each of us as all of us have come in this room with different challenges, with different issues. And we all, we look at life through different lenses at times. But God, I pray today that you'll be the great equalizer. I pray that you'll speak to us, God. Help us to see the things that we need to adjust and rearrange and and God, help us to identify the fact that you have great potential for us, that we don't have to live life powerless to the monster on the inside. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Do me a favor, turn to somebody on your right or left and say, hey, it's going to be good this morning. Wow, so quiet. Turn to your second choice and say, yeah, maybe for you too. Maybe for you too. Every introvert just hates me right now. They're like, please don't ask me to talk to anyone again. Today, I want to kind of look through the lens of a fictional monster. And the monster we're going to just briefly look through the lens of has the ability to suck the life out of you. And I, I just want to look through the lens for a moment of the, uh, the monster that is a vampire, right? A vampire literally survives by sucking the life out of its enemies, that's what it is known for. And, and vampires, maybe you know this, maybe you don't. I don't believe in them. It's irrelevant. I just want to use it as a launch pad. Vampires tend to live and survive in darkness. They survive in darkness. And, and here's the, the scary thing about vampires. They don't die. You have to kill them. They're immortal. They live forever. They don't die. You literally have to kill them. And the scary thing, the, probably the scariest thing about vampires is they can appear as normal human beings. And the monster I want to talk about today has the same ability to suck the life out of you. It's the monster of fear. Fear has an innate ability to paralyze us from truly living life. Fear has this ability to suck the life out of every relationship that we have and we we find ourselves no longer able to enjoy the relationships that we actually have in front of us because we're constantly looking for a bigger or better relationship to come fear lives in the darkness of our own mind as we relive and rehearse past experiences most of us don't talk about the fears that we feel, sense, and experience, but most of us have at a time or another, and some of us are even more greatly affected by fear, and we rehearse and we replay the thing that happened over and over and over again, and then, unfortunately, we begin to project that into the future moments that haven't even happened yet. So we rehearse something that did take place and that fear cripples us and we assume that it's only going to continue to happen and so fear has an ability to paralyze us. If the monster in your life is fear and you know it, then you probably, like most, you hate it. In fact, you don't want to choose fear. It probably feels more like for you that fear chooses you. 
every scenario that you face, every scenario that you come up against, you don't want to think through the lens of fear, but it seems like it's become second nature. And I think probably if we were honest, like a vampire, it seems invincible. Like it will never go away. Like it will never change. It's never going to die. And I know, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I haven't had a chance this morning to talk with each of you one-on-one, -on -one, but I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that many of you walked in today and that monster of fear is a very big reality. So what do we do with this? When we have this fear on the inside, you know what we, we try to do is we try to mask it as normal. We normalize it. We say, well, I'm just being a good parent. I'm just being cautious and concerned. Do you remember the story of Sleeping Beauty? Many of, any of you have a childhood? Did y'all have? Okay. Okay. Just thank, you, thank God. Y'all didn't just become adults. All right. Remember the story of Sleeping Beauty? Okay. I, I know I'm a dude, but I have two daughters, so I know all the princesses and all of the songs. You're welcome. That is on another sermon series. And you remember the story of Sleeping Beauty? is born and the king and the queen bring a party and a celebration and the evil queen, I, I believe her name is Maleficent, I don't believe, I know, <laughs> shows up and she's jealous and angry and she curses Sleeping Beauty and says that before or on the birthday of her 16th year she'll prick her finger on the needle of a spindle. And what does the father and the mother do? They immediately are panic stricken and overwhelmed with fear. And they go throughout all the kingdom and they destroy all of the spindles that they can possibly destroy. And the ones that they can't destroy, they lock away hidden in a tower and then they take their daughter and send her to live with three crazy ladies in the woods. This is horrible parenting. That was so much funnier than you laughed. And they send her away, bound by fear, so concerned of what might possibly happen and then... 16 years pass, and she's lured and enticed by something she's never seen, and she reaches out, and she pricks her finger on the needle. Fear led them to parent in the way that they did. Instead of raising her to say, hey, listen, there are some dangers in the world that we live in, and this right here could potentially be a pretty big problem, so here's the way that we choose to live life. No, the parents reacted out of fear, and they just called it normal, and you might laugh and think it's silly because I'm using a Disney princess story to illustrate fear, yet we normalize fear in our life all the time. We normalize it. Let me just give you a disclaimer. I just want to tell you that I'm not suggesting that today in a 30-minute message we can be cured of the monster of fear. That's ridiculous. And this is a, if this has been running rampant in your life for weeks, months, or maybe even years, it's going to take some time to walk through it. And I'm definitely not trying to minimize the challenges that you may be experiencing when it comes to fear. I'm just suggesting and encouraging you, you don't have to live life by unleashing that monster within. That God's greatest potential is for you and it is not wrapped or capsulated in the monster of fear. Let me tell you what fear is. Fear comes from a belief, a core belief that my world is unsafe 
or that people are not trustworthy. And you would say, well, yeah, that is true. I mean, think about what you talked about before service began, that we've been praying weekly because the world that we live in is unsafe. And listen, if you've known people for more than 0.7 seconds, you would know that they're not necessarily always trustworthy. But there's a difference between the truth of that reality and a core belief that drives fear. This is a result of a violation of trust in our life. Or perhaps the perceived violation of trust. Many of us, if we have this fear at work in our life, we can trace it back to a season or a moment or an instance in our childhood. When someone wasn't where they said they were going to be. They didn't follow through like they said they were going to. Or a crisis took place that was completely out of your control and you remember remembering and feeling for the first time that things aren't always going to be perfect. And those core beliefs, they're rustling on the inside and, and, and we, we do something with it. We cope and most of us cope in unhealthy ways. Let me try to illustrate for us today. We might have something take place, maybe something, a violation of trust. Somebody didn't fulfill the promises they said they were, or, or, or maybe I lost my job, or I lost a family member, or something tragic happened, and now I feel the feeling of fear, which is an emotional response. And that can look different for many different people. This could be excessive worry. Or it could be, for those of us in this room, difficulty controlling our worry. Waking up in the middle of the night with a checklist of things that if we don't get this done, calamity will happen. Maybe it's easily fatigued and restless. I just can't seem to stay through stability. Maybe difficulty concentrating and my mind going blank. And no, I'm not talking about your husband. I'm talking about the effects of fear. That was also funnier than you laughed. Maybe it's sleep disturbance. I just can't seem to sleep well. I mean, this surfaces differently for all of us. And then we have this monster raging on the inside. This overwhelming fear. And I don't know what it's in, in relation to. Maybe it's because of the relationship you're walking with. Maybe it's the business that you oversee or have started. Or maybe it's worried about your kids or the health of someone that you love dear or worried about what's your future. Can I ever buy a home in South Orange County? I don't know. I feel like I have to give up all my organs and my children. Is this going to be possible? I need to move to Texas. No, you don't. And there's so many things that run through our mind. And so what do I do with this? What do I do with the feelings on the inside? Listen, you, they don't just stay there. They don't just go away and dissipate. We cope with the feelings and the emotions that we have. And the challenge is most of us don't cope in a healthy way. Most of us, when struggling with the monster of fear, our cope runs in one of two unhealthy directions. And our behaviors end up going in the direction of controlling behaviors or escaping behaviors. This looks like a response to fear that is, I become extremely controlling or I feel extremely entitled or perfection becomes my goal because I'm trying to keep everything in order. I become invulnerable or closed off or overly critical or extremely judgmental or I become, begin to isolate in these seasons. And I'm reading all these words specifically because every one of us responds differently. And my prayer and hope is that if you're here and the monster of fear is at work in your life, maybe by identifying some of the symptoms or the coping, we can say, okay, that might be me. I want to make some changes. 
I begin to isolate. I become overly nagging or demanding, closed and suspicious. And then I withdraw to defend. If I'm following in this escape behavior, my coping mechanism is, is to escape, then what I'm doing is I become irresponsible. I just kind of let the, 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 the responsibilities kind of fall off the end. I become disconnected, discontented, addicted, numbed, out of control, provocative, unreliable, secretive, impulsive, selfish, and I withdraw to escape. Let me illustrate how this actually plays out in our life. Perhaps some of you in this room or some of us uh, become fearful that maybe my spouse will cheat on me. Maybe I become fearful that, that my spouse, he, he, even though he walked down the aisle and he, he made those, those commitments to me, I'm just a little bit worried that, that he might cheat on me. He might not remain faithful to those vows. And so because of the fear on the inside, I lean towards this controlling behavior and I become extremely controlling and suspicious and nagging. Hey, you said you were leaving the office at 5. It's 5.18. Why aren't you home yet? You laugh. But there's truth to it. Hey, who is that you're talking to? It's my mom. Relax. When are you going to get home? How come? Well, I need a text when you're on your way. What's going on? Well, well Pastor Kerry, you're just saying that, and that you 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 act like that's ridiculous. But I've been where he hurt me before and made a mistake. Yeah, but still, fear is at work in my life. And so as a result, he responds by disconnecting. He feels a violation of love and respect, and then he withdraws to escape my nagging, and then I feel isolated and unattached because he's withdrawn because of how I acted, and, and now I'm even more fearful of his infidelity and step and repeat. Can you see this cycle at work? Maybe the potential of failure for you is terrifying. Whether it's your work as a parent, as a spouse, as a student. And so I respond as making perfection my goal. I will do everything perfectly. I will study as much as I possibly can and make sure that my decisions are 100% perfect. Perfection has become my goal. And as all of us know, perfection is 100% unattainable, which contributes to my feeling like a failure. So now I close off to new possibilities and opportunities because I don't want to take a risk and potentially fail, but I know how to do these four things extremely well, so I won't take a risk. I'm going to stay right here, and now I get stuck in a rut of mundane, and I minimize the potential in my life. Can you see the cycle at work? The monster of fear. And maybe I'm afraid that every relationship will end horribly just like the last one. So I stay closed and invulnerable towards everyone. And as a result of feeling disconnected to me, others don't invest in our relationship or our friendship because they just feel like I don't care. And now I feel validated because of the lack of the depth in any relationship that I'm in. And so I withdraw as a defense mechanism and I stay closed people. This happens in our life all the time, and it's referred to as a pain cycle. It's referred to as a pain cycle because it just continues. Does it sound familiar to some of you? Maybe to all of us? If so, perhaps fear is the monster that you are feeding. But here's the good news. 
how I choose to cope with the feelings on the inside because what I'm not saying is that your feelings aren't real or valid. I don't know what you've walked through and if you've walked through tragedy, then those feelings are going to be there and that is okay. But how I choose to cope with them is determines whether or not I'm feeding the monster or starving it. And many of us have lived a life of feeding that monster and we now are stuck in the rut of fear. And it's incapacitated us. So what do I do? How do I handle this monster? How do I move forward in my life so that this doesn't win and I actually can accomplish this great potential that you're talking about, Pastor Kay? Well, how do you kill a vampire? I know many of you already have this in your mind. <laughs> you expose it to the light. You expose it to the light. I want to take 10 minutes of the remaining portion of our service and just give you three practical things that you can do. If you haven't started taking notes, start taking notes. You can text the word notes to the number on the screen and everything will be there for you to write and save it. And it'll be in your little iPhone, hopefully not an Android, for the rest of your life. How do we get rid of the monster of fear? Number one, we expose fear to the truth of God's word. We expose fear to the truth of God's word. In other words, we weigh our fear against what the word of God says. And the word of God wins every time. 2 Corinthians talks about this in chapter 10, verse 5. And I'll unpack this in a moment in point number two. It says this, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Pause right there. Look, look at this for a moment. This is saying that you and I have the ability to demolish everything that fear says is a reality. Look at this next portion of the verse. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So what we do is we expose the fear to the truth of God's word. Let me show you a couple verses that the word of God says about you, specifically dealing with fear. Isaiah 41.10, this is a phenomenal verse. Fear not, for I am with you, and be not dismayed. What does that say? Read it with me. For I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. He's saying, you don't have to be afraid because I'm your God. In other words, I've got this. Not too long ago, we went down to the fashion district in L.A., and it's a little bit of a sketchy place, and I took my 13-year-old daughter and my 8-year-old and my wife, and we probably spent way too much money. That's not important. Y'all pray for me. It's sketchy. My 13-year-old is panicking. You can see it in her. Like, elevated heart rate and just, like, constantly every noise, she's, like, freaked out about it, and I'm, she's, like, worried. I'm, like, I'm grateful that she's kind of being aware, and I go, girl, what are you doing? Just relax. She goes, it's so sketchy. I go, I know, but I got you. I am a big dude, and I can beat up a lot of people. That may not be true, but I'm instilling confidence in her. <laughs> I got you, girl. Hey, look at me. That's what God's saying to you today. I got you. I got you. Look at this, Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. In other words, I went to God. Instead of to worry, instead of to past experiences, 
instead of to my greatest fear. I went to God and he answered me. Look at Isaiah 43. This is so powerful. This is a message translation. Don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called your name. And read this with me right here aloud. You're mine. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. And when you're between a rock and a hard place, I, it won't be a dead end because I'm your personal God. Anytime you want to get rid of the, the monster of fear, expose it to the truth of God's word. Now listen, you can't depend on me to give you every Bible verse you possibly need. Look at me for a moment. You've got to do some research on your own. And a lot of times we just want somebody to give us a quick fix, like a microwave solution. Beep, boop, bop. Okay, perfect. No, you're going to have to do some work. But you have every resource you could possibly need in the palm of your hand. It's spelled G-O-O-G-L-E. Is that right? Google it. Turn to your neighbor and say, Google. Are y'all tracking with me? Why are you laughing like I'm an idiot right now? Just Google verses on fear. And then write them on your mirror and your refrigerator, the two places you go the most in your day. Put it on the dash of your car. And remind yourself that no matter what you're facing, look at me, you think this is silly, but this is how we tear down strongholds. Fear does this in your life every day. Every day it whispers of the failures, it whispers of the past mistakes, it whispers of the problems, it whispers of the chaos, it whispers of the crisis. And then what we do is we rehearse that. So we rehearse the worries, we rehearse the concerns, we rehearse the fears, and then what happens? It becomes a reality for us. And it affects every relationship and everything that we're walking through. And then when your pastor stands up here and says, Google some verses on fear, we go, <laughs> And the last time we heard a verse on fear was the last time we heard a sermon two years ago about this. And then you wonder, why is this monster waging war in my life? So do some research. I just gave you three great ones. Those are good ones to start with. Write these down and rehearse the verses. Number one, expose fear to the truth of God's word. Number two, expose fear to a cycle of peace. Everybody say a cycle of peace. A cycle of peace. Listen, we've lived our lives creating a cycle of pain by allowing the monster of fear to dominate. And it's time to create a cycle of peace. Do you know why the cycle of pain is so prevalent? It's because the brain works on pattern, not novelty. Our brain works on pattern, not novelty. The best predictor of how you're going to behave in or respond in the future is what you did last time. The brain always chooses the familiar and what is easy. Let me give you an example. Most people have a vocabulary of between 14,000 and 16,000 words. However, 80% of the language that you use is only about 118 words. We use what is easy and familiar, so it's time to create some new pathways, some new cycles in our life. Are you tracking with me? you got to expose it to a peace cycle. I want to explain to you what this looks like. I didn't create this. I wish I had. I, I feel extremely brilliant, but there's some better men and women that have gone before me, and I reached out to someone in our church who has her master's in psychology, and she fixed me, and then, no, I'm kidding, but she helped me kind of walk through this, but look at this, here's four things you can do, write these down, no matter what's going on, when you face a scenario, number one, you say what you feel, 
So whatever it is that surfaces, whatever it is that's happening, whether it's you are concerned that your husband's not going to be faithful, you're worried about failure, you're worried that this relationship is going to end, whenever that feeling comes up, just say what it is that you feel. I feel like a, a, a lack of trust. I feel like nobody is going to be uh, have integrity like I have integrity. Whatever it is that you feel, and then you can say what it is you would normally do. Well, normally I would text him immediately and say, where are you? Get home now, text me, call me, whatever you got to do. Normally I would just not invest in relationships. No way I'm not going to a connect group. Stop talking to me about it. I went to one of my last church and they were weird. I don't want to go again. Normally this is what I would do. And then what we do is we say the truth. In other words, we have to identify a truth that combats the lie that I'm feeling. Well, I feel like I'll always be alone. I've been alone for the last three years, and I'm just always going to be alone. Well, that might be how you feel, but the Bible says that God never leaves you nor forsakes you. So that, my friends, is a truth that combats the lie that you're feeling. We replace that. What is the truth? This is a great place to insert the Word of God. And then step four, I say what I'll do differently. Normally I would retract, I wouldn't invest in relationships, normally I wouldn't talk to somebody, but you know, I don't want this cycle to continue in my life, so today I'm going to sign up for a connect group. I'm just going to talk to somebody. <gasps> I'm going to choose trust. Are you tracking with me today? And what this is called is a cycle of peace, instead of continuing in the cycle of pain. But listen, it won't be easy. It won't be easy. Why? Because our brain loves the easy path. Imagine if you're going to go on a run or a hike. You're, you're, if you have two choices going through the dense forest or a trail that's already been blazed, you're naturally going to choose the trail that's been blazed. And that's what we're going to have to do with our mind. But we choose what we feed the monster on the inside. So number one, expose fear to God's word. Number two, expose fear to a cycle of peace. And number three, this is probably one of the most important, expose fear to some healthy, godly relationships. Hey, listen, I, I could not stress enough to you. Do you know what makes the Movement Church great? It's not Serrano Intermediate. We just happen to be here for a time being. We didn't choose to paint the Seahawks logo on the back wall. We don't love middle school restrooms. Can I get an amen, somebody? What makes this church great isn't this amazing screen and the technology. and It's the people. You want to defeat the monsters that are lurking under the surface? You can't do it alone. You need people. In fact, we go to God for forgiveness. And the Bible says he is faithful to Forgive every time. But look right here for a minute. We go to God's people for freedom. I was just having a conversation the other day with a, a good friend, and he was just sharing some struggles. He said, every time I feel like I'm talking, every time I'm sharing what I'm thinking, I feel like everybody's just waiting around to, to say, shut up, boy, stop talking. So I said, shut up, and please stop. No, I'm kidding. I said, do you realize that that couldn't be further from the truth? I know you. I know your friends. And every time you speak, people lean in to listen. He said, I want to believe that. It doesn't feel like a reality sometimes. And I think that that's 
how most of us feel in relation to different scenarios of life, and we just need somebody to say, wait, that's not true. I was talking to another buddy, a pastor friend of mine, and the last few months, maybe a year and a half, have been rough for him, and he's been struggling with his calling and kind of contemplated throwing in the towel, and he's just again told me the things that went wrong over the last 18 months and I said dude I could tell you your story because I've heard it 15 times but that's not the truth of your future God called you and nobody can revoke that calling no one God didn't change his mind he's not swayed by the last 18 months in fact, he wants to revitalize you. You know why I was able to do that? Because I've been through some dark seasons in my life, and the only way that I made it out was through the power of the Holy Spirit and great friends in my life who came around me and said, hey, this is what God has in store for you. Look at me. You can't do this without godly, healthy friendships. And that's an important stipulation, godly, healthy friendships. Some people you hang out with are like, oh, that is horrible. You shouldn't trust that dude. He's horrible. He's my husband and the father of my kids. I know. Why'd you marry him? Ding, ding, ding. Run away. Get away from that relationship. Are you tracking with me? Get in some relationships with some people who believe. And if you don't have friends, I'll be your friend. Hi, my name's Carrie. Let's be friends. But you need some godly, healthy relationships. Fear. It's a pretty crazy monster, isn't it? And many of us can see it at work in our life, but look at me. It doesn't have to be at work in your life anymore. And I don't know what you've walked through. I don't know your story. And I don't want to minimize the pain you've experienced, but I do want to maximize your future. The greatest days of your life, look at me, are still ahead of you. Hey, look at me in the eyes. No matter how overwhelmed you feel, the enemy leans in when we feel overwhelmed and he says, do you feel that? This is your reality. And that's a lie. The greatest days of your life are still ahead. You don't have to feed that monster anymore. Expose fear to the truth of God's word. Expose fear to a brand new peace cycle in your life. And listen, expose the fear to some healthy, godly friendships. Maybe today you need to call a buddy or pull someone aside after church and say, I just got, man, I'm struggling with this on the inside. Just pray for me. You don't have to go through this thing alone. I just want to pray for us real quickly. And I just want to combat fear with every head up and every eye open. Right here, right now, where everyone can see. And if you're here and you say, you know what? That monster of fear, is, it's been doing some work on me. Would you just right now, in boldness, raise your hand? Wow, look around. Come on. Wow. And maybe you walked in here today thinking you were alone. Let me pray. Would you now bow your heads and close your eyes? God, we just thank you that you're here. God, we lean into you and not into our own understanding. We don't have the strength on our own to, to do this by ourselves. We need you. But God, we don't want to feed the monster of fear anymore.
We want to expose it to the truth of your word. Thank you for giving us your word that gives us new promises for the future. I come against the lies of the enemy in Jesus' name. Every lie that's been whispered. I failed as a parent. If I hadn't failed, we wouldn't be here today. I failed as a spouse because of my, ba- my, my mistakes in the past, and it's just always going to be this way. There's no future. There's no hope. Here we are again. Marriage seems to be falling apart. Can we even do it? Can the business succeed? Again, here I am. I just want to remind you the truth. The Word says that perfect love casts out all fear. So we just speak the truth of God's word into your life right now. That you, God, have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And even though we walk through the fires, we'll not be burned. Even though we're submerged by the waters, we'll not drown. Because you are with us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, let me just take a moment before we go further and talk to some of you who are here today and maybe you aren't really sure where you stand with with God. And maybe for you, the next step is just to simply say yes to Jesus. I'm not talking about church membership. And look at me, I'm definitely not talking about getting rid of your past. That's the, the greatest myth in relation to God and church and relationship is that we think we've got to get perfect to get to God get everything in line, get everything in order, and then I'll start with God. But no, no, we just start with God, and He takes care of the rest. But there's a starting point. It's not by getting better with your thoughts or making better choices. It's just by simply saying yes to Jesus. And if you're here and you've never done that, in a moment I'm going to pray a prayer. And right where you're seated with no embarrassment, maybe in the quietness of your own heart, I want to challenge you just to pray this prayer with me and start this journey today. And let God come in and help you fight the monsters that are lurking under the surface. And some of you who are here today, you may have prayed a prayer like this, but you've been running from God, and today is your day to come running back. I want to challenge you to pray it with me. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody looking around. We're almost finished with our service today. If that's you, you've never prayed this prayer, or today's the day to pray it again for the first time in a long time. Just repeat this simple prayer after me, and, but mean it from the depths of your heart. Just say, dear God, I know that you're real. I know that you love me, and you've given me purpose. I'm not perfect. Would you forgive me? And just make this statement your own. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.